the word of God that comes to us today is from Peter, who says to us, We beheld his glory as eyewitnesses. You may be seated. One moment, technical difficulties here. Grace, mercy, and peace be to you from God our Father and our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Uh, I come to you today on mission from the preacher, and as I am aged, I probably, hopefully, for your sake, will be short. Um, I come uh, and welcome you to this island of Patmos. Thank you for coming. Uh, My name is John the Aged John. Yes, John the Apostle, not the Baptizer. But my favorite title is John the Beloved Disciple, which you probably know. Uh, No. Okay, yes, that's my favorite title for myself, John the Beloved Disciple. It is so good to have you here. What, what's that? What's today? What did you say? Transfiguration. Transfiguration. Oh, in my language, one of my languages, we call it the day of metamorphosis. Big time change. Oh, let me tell you about, you know about it, but I'm so glad you're here. I have not, I've not as of yet written about this, so I will have to refer in uh, my parchment to another writer, our beloved brother Matthew. Maybe you have a scrap of this parchment. Maybe. In your conventions, it's a chapter 17. Matthew tells about it from his perspective, what we have told him. But since I was there, I will tell you just briefly from my own perspective. Would you like to read it with me? Okay. After six days, Jesus took with him Peter and James and me, James's brother, and led us up a high mountain by ourselves. And he was metamorphosed before us, and his face shone like the sun. Oh, brothers and sisters, this is the divine nature. This is something I, that Matthew can't describe, that I can't describe. Jesus took us to the mountain, and he took us so far beyond the mountain to eternity, to the glory of God. We looked at Jesus as his clothes became white as light. I know you don't stare at the sun, right? We did. We stared at the Son of God, a brighter light than anything on earth. And we didn't hide from it. We wanted only more of that light that we saw from Jesus. And behold, there appeared to us Moses and Elijah talking with him. I don't know how we figured out that out. They were talking. We overheard. And my friend Peter, blessed be his memory, Peter said to Jesus, one of the things he always liked to say, something dumb as usual, Lord, it's good that we're here. If you wish, I will make three tents here, one for you and one for Moses and one for Elijah. Right? He couldn't even finish that sentence. And out came a voice. Behold, a bright cloud overshadowed us. Brighter than you can imagine. Usually clouds make it dark. This cloud made it bright. 
That's what we say in our Hebrew scriptures, uh, the, the radiant glory of God, the Shekinah glory. There it was. We were in the middle of it. And then we heard a voice from the cloud and said to us, this is my beloved Son with whom I am well pleased. Hear ye Him. That's what I remember. The voice as powerful as can be. When we heard it, when we experienced it, we fell on our face. We were afraid. We were in the presence of the divine nature, the glory. I don't know how long we stayed like that, brothers and sisters. I do not know. But I know that Jesus came and touched us and said to us, rise and don't be afraid. He said, rise, stop being afraid. I don't know if we stopped being afraid at that moment, if we ever will stop being afraid. But I remember when Jesus touched us and we looked up and saw only Him there. Wow. That was an amazing experience. I should write about that. So far, I've only written one letter. I've called it First John because I hope to write some more. But my, my friend Peter has written about it. No, he didn't write a gospel like Matthew or Mark or Luke, but in the letter, that one of his letters, he wrote about it. Maybe you have that on a scrap of parchment. Yes? Peter writes to us in his second letter. He is further than I am. I only have the one. In his second letter, in what you call verses, verse 16 of the first chapter, he says this, For we did not follow cleverly devised myths when we made known to you the power and coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, but we were eyewitnesses to His majesty. Brothers and sisters, we didn't make it up. We didn't make up the power of Jesus. We couldn't tell that story and have people believe it. It seemed like every day, every day Jesus was healing somebody. Every day He was exhausted because He was teaching and healing and making people well. He was displaying His glory. You know the stories like when uh, the paralyzed man, they broke him through the, the ceiling of the, the house and, and he says, uh, Son, your sins are forgiven and, and rise and walk. And the guy got up and walked. Or when Jesus touched Jairus' daughter and said, Talitha kumi, little girl, I say to you, arise. And he made it happen. Do you remember those stories? Yes. Uh, or when... Uh, the man at the pool of Bethesda was there for 38 years and Jesus came and healed him on the Sabbath. You remember that story? Oh, that hasn't been written yet. Okay. How about when Jesus turned water into wine? That power, do you remember that? No, that hasn't been written yet. How about when Jesus rose, raised, went into the tomb where his friend Lazarus had already been stinking it up for four days and just said, Lazarus, come out. And he came out. Do you remember that? No, it hasn't been written yet. It happened. And I think I need to, need to tell it, but I haven't gotten around to it yet. Maybe Peter will motivate me to do that. But we didn't make it up when we told you about the power of Jesus. It is real. And it also, Peter, our friend, says, we also didn't follow cleverly devised myths when we told you, made known to you the power and coming. That's in my language, one of my languages, parousia. The power and the parousia of our Lord Jesus Christ. But we were eyewitnesses. Peter and me and my brother James, blessed be his memory, we saw the glory of his parousia. 
only for a moment, as I just told you. We saw it. We saw him shining as white as light. And it was something we wanted more of. And that's what Peter, in this letter that you probably have up somewhere, he tells us about the coming, the return of Jesus. And he says to hold on and wait for it. What's that? Okay, the preacher tells me to get to the point. Okay. Well, let me tell you what Peter would say. The point of all this is, let's go to what you say, verse 19. After hearing the voice on the mountain, we have, we have the prophetic word more fully confirmed, to which you will do well to pay attention as to a lamp shining in a dark place. So, since I don't know what to say, I'll tell you what Peter says. Peter says, pay attention to the word about Jesus. Pay attention to it. All the other words out there can trick you as if you read your whole letter. He'll tell you in chapter 2. Pay attention to the word about Jesus and his coming back. Yeah, I'm almost done. Second thing Peter will tell us is to be patient for the parousia. Be patient for the coming of the Lord. This is in chapter 3. I'm not sure if you have this. He says lots of things about the coming again of Jesus. But let me read one of my favorites. Chapter 3, verse 8. Don't overlook this one fact, beloved, that with the Lord one day is as a thousand years, and a thousand years is one day. The Lord is not slow to fulfill His promise, as some count slowness, but is patient toward you, not wishing that any should perish, but that all should reach repentance. But the day of the Lord will come. It will come. He will return like a thief. And then the heavens will pass away with a roar. And the heavenly bodies will be burned up and dissolved. And the earth and the works that are done in it will be exposed. Since all these things are thus to be dissolved, what sort of people ought you to be in lives of holiness and godliness? I could go on because Peter goes on a lot. I would never write so, so many long things as Peter would. But he tells you to be patient and wait for the coming of the Lord. Keep looking for Him. I'm almost done, preacher. I have one more thing that I must tell you. This is not me. This is Peter. He will tell you to cling to the promises. Let me read this to you. This is, again, chapter 1. It says, His divine power... Let me... Use peas like Peter. His divine power has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of Him who called us to His own glory and excellence, by which He has granted to us His precious and very great promises, so that through them you may become partakers of the divine nature, having escaped from the corruption that's in the world. Brothers and sisters, cling to the promises of Jesus that He has come, as Peter tells us, as our God and Savior. He has come with righteousness to give it to us, to give us a clean slate. And you know how I said when we saw Jesus full of light, we saw His divine nature. Well, Peter tells us this amazing thing. Through the, divine, through the precious and very great promises, we may become partakers of the divine nature. I think Peter would be happy if we did these things. We paid attention 
to the prophetic word, if we were patient for the parousia, and if we were partakers in the divine nature. Oh, metamorphosed one, transfigured one, let it be. In the name of Jesus, amen. And thank you for coming to Patmos. Lord bless you and keep you.